Hello there and welcome to the May 2021 edition of the Lost Map podcast. I am your host, Pictish Trail, speaking to you from my studio stroke shed on the Isle of Egil, the Isle of Egg. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time, Lost Map is a record label and this podcast is about the music that we release each month and getting to know the musicians. I'm a musician. I'm Pictish Trail. We bit of news for you. In the world of Pictish Trail, I've been busy writing and recording some new songs and I've got some new tour dates that have just been announced as well. It's almost like there isn't a global pandemic. Look, the dates are in the calendar. I'm supporting my good friends, the band Django Django, on their UK tour in October. It starts in Belfast on the 9th of October and goes all the way through to Brighton on the 23rd of October. If you go to the Pictish Trail website, pictishtrail.co.uk, there's a page on there with all the gig listings and ticket links. And I think you should come to this one. I really think you should come along. I've got a good feeling about it. In Lost Map News, in last month's episode of the podcast, I did a wee bit of chat about Bandcamp and Bandcamp Fridays. I'm not going to rehash too much of that, but I will say on Friday, May 7th, there is another Bandcamp Friday taking place where Bandcamp waived their commission on sales. And in addition to the new Lost Map t-shirts and caps and mugs that we've introduced over the past few months, we've also got a brand new swanky sweatshirt, which has got a design on the front and back. It's going to be on lostmap.bandcamp.com on May 7th. And if you're a member of Postmap Club, there'll be a discount code for that sweatshirt. In fact, speaking of Postmap Club, let's have a good old rummage in this month's Postmap Club mailbag. Postmap Club, Postmap Club, Postmap Club, it's a very nice club. Early in the morning, just as day is dawning, Victor's trail is talking loads of shite. Postmap Club is our membership club in which we send you postcards in the post at the end of every month. These printed postcards have got a bit of artwork on the front or a photograph, just like a normal postcard. But on the other side, they contain download codes where you can download new music that we've released on the label alongside exclusive tracks, rarities, live sessions, audio experiments from the Lost Map Collective. We send you at least two or three postcards each month. When you sign up for the first time, you get a double bumper pack of different postcards. You also get a membership badge and a monthly newsletter from me, as well as discount codes for other merchandise on our web shop. It's a nice way for you to support what we're doing as a label. If you enjoy this podcast and you like the music that you hear on it, you should sign up. There are currently three tiers of membership starting at just £3 a month. All three tiers get exactly the same stuff. The only difference is if you pay more, you get a slightly bigger badge. Yeah. If you'd like to become a member, you can find out more by going to lostmap.com forward slash club. I'm delighted to tell you we've got over 500 members now, which blows my mind. It makes a huge difference. The money that we receive in membership all goes back into the running of the label. We're able to commission new work and live sessions from our roster of artists, as well as promote existing material with videos and remixes. It's allowed us to take chances with things, which has been really exciting. And I'm constantly surprised and thrilled by all the stuff that we've been putting out. And if you remember, I hope you're enjoying it too. If you sign up during the month of May 2021, you will receive the following postcards. Happy birthday to the one 
We've got a special guest release this month from one of my favourite musicians, Emma Cooper. She's on a brief loan from FICA Recordings, who released her brilliant debut solo album last year, entitled It Will Come Easier. Emma is from Sheffield originally, I think. Although she's based in Cambridge now, she was the lead singer with the band Standard Fair. She's one half of the Heyman Cooper band with Darren Heyman, and she also fronts a band called Mammoth Penguins, who came up to play Howl and Fling on Egg actually a few years ago. For Postmap Club, she's given us a new song that she's written called Happy Birthday, and yeah, we couldn't resist the opportunity to release it as an actual birthday card. So Postmap Club members will all be receiving a birthday card. If it's your birthday this month, happy birthday. We remembered. If it's not your birthday, you could maybe pass it on to someone whose birthday it is. We've left space there for you to sign it. Or you could just pretend it is your birthday and have an accompanying bit of cake. It's totally up to you. We'll be hearing more from Emma later on in the podcast as she reveals her first gig, Worst Gig. We've also got not one, but two postcards, courtesy of our pal John B. McKenna, a.k.a. Monogonon. Monogonon is a Scottish singer-songwriter, producer, originally from Carluk, and currently based in Malmo in Sweden. Regular listeners and Lost Map fans will be familiar with Monogonon already, I'm sure. The very first album we released on the label was by Monogonon, an LP called Family, in 2013. Since then we've released a number of limited edition cassette releases and collaborations uh, as well as the album Killmans in 2017 which was backed with a secret album Killmans 2 which we revealed in 2018. Last year John put out an ambient electronic album as Under Medvitten Hitten. Yep. Anyway for this month's Postmap Club the first postcard that he's done contains two previously unreleased Monogonon recordings. There's a track called UFO that he performed a lot whilst we were on tour together. And there's also a brand new synthy version of a song from his first album, the song My Anatomy. For the second postcard, we commissioned John to record a live session and he's assembled something really special it's a video collection of live performances that have been captured throughout his entire life as monogonon in fact throughout his entire life there's footage going back to john as a teenager there's some childhood footage as well he's called the collection a monogamontage very satisfying to say monogamontage and Postmap Club members will have exclusive access to the premiere screening of Monogamontage on Thursday the 13th of May at 8pm. If you sign up to Postmap Club before then, you'll get access to all of this stuff. You can sign up by going to lostmap.com forward slash club. Today's episode of the podcast is in fact a Monogamon spesh. John was our very first guest on the podcast back in 2018 when he was reminiscing on his time uh, when he was on the Isle of Egg, taking part in our residency programme, Visitations. 
If you'd like a good introduction to all things Monogonon, you should listen to the first two episodes of Series 1, where we have a very in-depth chat about how he made his start in music, who he was inspired by, his creative process. For the chat you're going to hear today, we just decided to have a chat about whatever came to mind. It was recorded via the internet with John in his home in Malmo and me here on Egg. We chatted for ages and we've edited it down, don't worry. You can put the kettle on, have a cup of tea, sit back, relax. Here's part one. Yeah, if you hear squeaking, mm-hmm. oh, that's, that's a, that was a big one. That was a big one. Yeah, that is all chair. What? No what did air. you have for lunch today? <laughs> well, <laughs> what did I have for lunch? I can't even remember. Today's been such an odd day. I've had the kids since six a.m. Before six a.m. I took them to a kid's party. Oh, what did I have? I had something to eat. I had tuna fish on... (laughs) Oh! (laughs) (laughs) On a sourdough roll. Oh, that. With some hot sauce. And um, it really slowed me down for the rest of the day, I'll be honest. (laughs) Didn't think... I had a noodle, rice noodle salad at a Vietnamese place. It was... uh, Rice and noodles? Yeah, you know, rice noodle... You know, the okay. kind of see-through noodle. Oh, yeah. We don't have takeaways on egg, and so there's a little latency in my brain. You've not got, to, like, remind you not got like, Uber Eats, because they come over on a boat. Or That'd be good, wouldn't it? Although, actually, it'd be <laughs> shit. It'd be fucking free. It'd be cold. It'd be freezing. <laughs> oh, man. I miss fish slappers. Which is ridiculous, because, you know, I'm surrounded by fish here, literally circling the island. Do you fish? Have you ever fished? I haven't ever fished do you know that's that's a lie i did go fishing once with a friend when i was like 12 in edinburgh and he was fishing and i was sort of watching so i suppose <laughs> that doesn't really count does it i was sort of there yeah. held his rod <laughs> for what, what's that fishing show with the guy from the fast show paul whitehouse and bob mortimer yeah that looks like a good show i haven't seen it yet I think it's called gone fishing i've only watched the first series and i really enjoyed it and I've not been able to watch the second series because I enjoyed the first one so much that I thought, oh, it's <laughs> going to be more of the same and I just don't don't want that to be spoiled. So He'd had a heart attack or something, is it, Bob? Yeah. Or, or he'd had a... a... triple bypass or whatever that's called. Jeez-o. He'd announced a sort of 25-year anniversary tour thing with Vic Reeves and they were about to go on tour and I'd bought tickets for it. And maybe a month before, they had to cancel the shows because... Bob had had a triple bypass. Oh. Triple heart bypass. <laughs> just slipping a bit of partridge. Ryan Butterfield. <laughs> triple, a triple Trip, heart bypass. Triple heart bypass. <laughs> <laughs> see that, see that Brian Butterfield voice. Do you ever like take notes about when it comes up? <laughs> I don't. Like, from your subconscious. <laughs> 
I can't help it. It just happens. And it sort of, yeah. it melds with, I think these voices, they just, they have at, to be there. They're part of who I am now. I'm a mimic, I guess. <laughs> just absorb it. And I'm, I've no control over it. Partridge is another one. I don't know why that is. I think maybe it happened there because I don't really know if it's a triple bypass or a triple heart bypass. Ah. So maybe subconsciously my mind was going, you don't really know this, this phrase yeah. that yeah, well. Yeah. So let's ride it out with a bit of Butterfield. <laughs> it's good you picked up on that. <laughs> it was a good phrase to say and I can't remember if it was Alan Partridge or if it was Butterfield. The two are interchangeable in my life now. <laughs> the results have been incredible. <laughs> what an amazing character that is. Have you heard the Brian Butterfield podcast? No, but you you mentioned it to me last time and I'm just remembering that I need to watch it. Listen to that. I'm glad my voice has allowed you to remember that you should watch the Brian Butterfield <laughs> pod. Pod, 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 pod. I think that's what he's called it. And it's like, he set it up like it's an entire series, but to date it's only one episode. <laughs> <laughs> and in the one episode, he's like tried to sort of do his own version of other popular radio and podcast segments. So he's got one that's like, I cannot remember what it is specifically, but it's a ripoff of Desert Island Discs. And it's like, mm. Castaway Cassettes. <laughs> I listened to the Alan Partridge podcast. I've still not listened and to it. I it really was, want It was to. good. It was good storytelling and stuff. I've not been keeping up on all the newer stuff that's coming out, but it's like they've really went deep on the character, like his relationships and stuff. Have you read or like heard the audio book versions of the two books that have come out? No, I didn't, I didn't listen to them. Oh man, they're really amazing. <laughs> the autobiography, we need to talk about Alan. I Partridge, so good. There was a time when I would listen to it literally every year whenever I was doing my accounts because it would be like, you know, six or seven hours, the audiobook, and I would just have it on. And uh, so many moments. Needless to say, I had the last laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it would get me through the old accounts every year. Loved it. a lot of podcasts I've got this thing now where I, ha I want to hear all of it I hate missing bits of a podcast like there's certain podcasts you can just have on the background and it doesn't matter if you miss a little bit of the chat but increasingly mm. once you get hooked to a podcast as I hope people will be hooked to this one to this <laughs> if you miss any of our conversation at any point please do remember you can rewind <laughs> I'm constantly having to rewind podcasts to re-listen to bits over and over again. And I'm, mm. I'm conscious now I have to do it when Sarah's not in the house because mm. I'm conscious that it's the behaviour of a maniac. <laughs> Just constantly replaying over. I didn't get to fully hear this bit because someone was crying. <laughs> it's not her. It's usually the, the kids or me. I've been replaying Jerusalem by Alan Moore. 
for months and months now. I started reading the actual book in the Bothy on Egg. So mm. that's like three years ago or something. <laughs> so you started reading it and now you've got the audio book. Yeah, so I, I started reading it and I men- read a whole book or like there's a few books inside it and I just kind of couldn't bring myself to start the next book. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll get into the audio book and maybe I can read it at the same time. But now I just, it just works so well for falling asleep. I'll put it on and then I'll rewind it and now I listen to the same parts over and over. It's amazing. <laughs> Who reads it? I'm not sure. Sh- it's not Alan Moore that reads it, but it's just a really, it's such a dreamlike, it's all about ghosts and dreams and multiple dimensions and stuff and it's just so nice to to revisit different moments wow. like rewind it and just like keep going with it somehow but oh, i've still not finished it i can't mean to check his stuff out because it's uh you know he's such a massive name i met him about 10 years ago mm. he came to a gig that i was doing with josie long and james acaster in nottingham i think and mm. it was in quite a small cafe It was quite an odd tour that because I was doing music in between two comedians and so trying to trying to keep it light. But, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) trying to be funny, it's always quite an odd thing when music and comedy are kind of presented in a way that clash. (laughs) But yeah, I met him afterwards and it's a shame he's not reading the audio book because he's got such an amazing deep source of voice. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that would help you get to sleep wisely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not even words, just roar. How do we fit all the time the blues back? Find the soft spot above the watermark. Where the tide will crash and crack and subside. Well, I just recently watched the a documentary about Young Lean, and I have a vague memory of you mentioning to me that you'd been listening to him. I don't recall this, but is this the Swedish rapper? Yeah. It's sort of mumble rapper. Yeah, yeah. Dude, right. Quite recently. I don't know. I think it was like in an email or it was a few, year, few years ago or something. You just kind of mentioned it offhand. All right. At that point, I was just kind of, I was aware of Young Lean. I was one of those people who just seen it as a joke or something, or just kind of respected the jokiness of it or something. Mm. But after watching this documentary now, now I'm like starting to think he's trap music's Daniel Johnson, you know, <laughs> like a true <laughs> outsider artist. I've listened to one song particularly called agony if you see the documentary and then listen to that song it's like total daniel johnson level of poetry or something but still mixing in that sort of american choice of words and aesthetic you know it's like a little bit of like fantasy lord of the rings feel to it as well at the same time i just think it's such a cool mix what in his lyrical stuff yeah wow I've the n- lyrics to this song Agony are just like, it's so sincere, actually. It's like that sincere, uh, sarcastic combination. I was talking to someone about sincerity in music yesterday. I was asked to appear on this podcast that's about Jason Lytle, the guy from Granddaddy. Mm-hmm. I was asked to pick my favourite song by him and then sort of talk about why I like it so much. And I was talking about, with him, there's always humour that runs through his best songs, certainly but a weird honesty and sincerity about it that never sort of goes into earnestness. And I feel like there is like a real separation between something that's kind of presented as sincere 
and something that's presented in a sort of earnest way because I feel like maybe I'm getting too tied up in the semantics of the words but I feel like when there's so many acts that present this sort of earnest version of themselves or present this sort of earnestness like they're wearing some badge of authenticity and being really Mm. open or whatever but actually just kind of comes across as really forced and not real Whereas the stuff that is sincere to me is the stuff where the artist is kind of taking the piss out of themselves and out of the structure or formula of songwriting and stuff. Mm. And like, I feel Jason Lytle does that a lot. There's a lot of self-deprecating stuff in his music and a lot of really sort of weird bathos, really odd humdrum references to technology and normal living mm. that sort of interspersed in his songs that kind of give it a sense of realness and also a sort of understated mocking of itself. And so what, Young Lean is kind of, does it have that same sort of thing? I think so. I've only started listening to a few of his tunes and just seeing it from a different angle, basically. I think where he's at now is definitely that. I think he's always taken it very seriously, and it's never been a joke, per se, but that's how I experienced it when I first saw a video. I was just like, ha-ha, this is great. (laughs) I mean, I wonder, because I've not followed his music at all since... I allegedly emailed you about it, which I can't remember. (laughs) But I wonder if there's a thing with musicians, if you kind of get, or any artist, I guess, if you get sort of typecast as being a certain thing or creating a certain thing or being responsible for a certain movement or having a certain genre attached to your name. I wonder if after a bit of time, you somehow want to live up to that expectation or claim Mm. some ownership of it weirdly enough i'm kind of going through a similar thought process at the moment with writing new pictish trail stuff in the sense that last few records i've tried not to do you know an acoustic singer songwritery thing and Mm -hmm. every interview i get asked about how does egg influence your music oh yeah and I just don't really write about Egg at all. And so yeah. now I'm writing an album about Egg, but I'm sort of doing right. it in a sort of fictitious way. I'm writing a sort of what people would assume I would do if I was to write an album. Or, ah. or sort of, I'm writing a sort of exaggerated version of what life is like yeah. on Egg, and it's not actually like it at all. Yeah. But I'm, I'm trying to That's... give people what they want in some weird way. <laughs> but that is uh, what you were saying earlier about authenticity. I think I've thought about it sometimes, like by pushing out towards fantasy from authenticity, you you kind of actually reveal more about yourself than you do if you're trying to kind of just present it as it is. But by going into the fantasy element of it, you do actually reach a place of more sincerity somehow. I'm definitely enjoying it where it's going because that's kind of quite fun. I feel like I can sort of take a bit of ownership of it and I can go, no, this is what it's like here. And there's a few songs I'm writing that are kind of about trying to reconnect with nature, but doing it in a way that's actually literally happening. And so there's being like... Bambi yeah. or like <laughs> Snow, Snow White. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So like immersing myself in, you know, in the rivers and like feeling the, oh. the, the water of egg run through me and getting entangled <laughs> in the weeds. <laughs> man I, I love that sort of thing like, <laughs> oh. and that thing is i was trying to like capture that very sort of thing the kind of rough chaos of nature and experience of nature with the undermedvetenheten stuff and also just like body sounds you know like living creatures and the sounds of like how our organs are working and <laughs> Like trying to embrace the full beauty of it in some way. With the under, really, the under Medvet and Hetten record. 
Yeah, yeah. in my mind, I was basically went full hippie, like. <laughs> Just like, I'm going to embrace it. This is all I care about. This It's just all I care about is swamps and rewilding and just, I don't, I can't even explain it. When I was doing the music, the thoughts were coming out through that. But it was that sort of deep desire to get back to just lying in a big pile of grass and getting infested with ticks and... <laughs> I mean, I suppose even by using a Swedish name and, and Swedish titles in the tracks, you know, you've been living in Sweden now for 12 ten, years. 10 years. Yeah, almost 10 years. 10 years. We don't, I don't count the corona year, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we all got younger. <laughs> yeah, it felt like even just seeing the titles before I'd listened to the record, I was like, oh, he's gone, sw- he's gone full Swedish. <laughs> he's gone full Swedish. They've midsummered him. <laughs> oh no, he's been midsummered. <laughs> well, I think you were midsummered during Kilman's. Sure. Yeah, sure. yeah, that's when I got midsummered. <laughs> but yeah, did, did was there a sense so, of trying I've to never have thought. That? I've never thought about that. That I used the midsummer imagery on press photos for Kilman's, <laughs> and how people how that looks now. Now that people have seen midsummer, <laughs> you're ahead of your time. Oh, God. May have to take them down off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're great. Nah, I'll, they're keep, so I'll, keep, I'll keep them up. <laughs> Do you still have that? Was it a velvet jacket? I still have it. I've put some patches on it now. It looks even better. On the elbows, like geography teacher style? No, like Boy Scout patches. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Natasha, we used to work in the scout shop in Glasgow. And this is just one badge that I got from that shop, which just says on it, untrainable. <laughs> it's just, I don't know what that is in the Boy Scout world, but like I've got the badge for that. So. <laughs> you got the untrainable badge. Why is that? You know, imagine like a Boy Scout is like all the other ones are getting their badge for like can build a fire and put up a tent, and then there's one that's just like can't train this boy to do. You fucked it, but you've won a badge. (laughs) Untrainable. Okay, end of part one there. That was a track by Undermed Vettenhetten. We'll have more from John B in a wee bit, but first, our regular segment, First Gig, Worst Gig, in which we ask musicians to tell us about the first gig they ever attended as a punter, as well as the worst gig they ever performed themselves. As mentioned earlier in the show, our contestant this month is Emma Cooper. Oh, Hello, this is Emma Cooper. The first gig I remember going to was Poison Girls at the Astoria in London in 1995. It was loud. I think I was around nine years old. My mum had played in the band in their early days in Brighton and this was a big 60th birthday gig for Francis, who was the lead singer. My mum was on stage for a few songs and me and my cousin watched the whole thing from the gallery. I remember seeing punks climb onto the stage, give Francis a kiss on the cheek while she was singing, dance about and then stage dive off. The crowd were pogoing and pretty rowdy. It was exciting, but also a little scary to watch. I'm glad we were up in the gallery. 
Richard, the guitarist, years later, gave me an acoustic guitar and some pedals that I still use today. And my mum sends my records up to him in Shetland. I used to listen to the Poison Girls a lot growing up. I liked their poppier stuff and I especially liked their swearier songs. Recently, I went with my mum to see Frances in Brighton shortly before she died. And I asked her what she thought of my music. She said it lacked dynamics. I had got really bad sunstroke earlier that day and I was really sick in her bathroom. I've played so many bad gigs, so many empty gigs, years of them, many with just my partner or parents in the audience. Most gigs, I still worry whether there will be anyone out there when I go on stage. Crowds have left gigs before our sets to watch football or just to get drinks and chat. I judge gigs on a few factors. The venue, is it an interesting or friendly place? Is the sound good? Is the stage big? Is there a backstage area? Is there a crowd? How are they? Friendly? What are the other bands like? Is it a decent fee? Is there a rider? And maybe some other things I can't remember because I haven't played a gig for a whole year. I try to predict whether a gig will have at least a few of these factors in the good column before I say yes. And sometimes it's amazing and sometimes it goes very wrong. One thing that really gets to me is timing, especially when it's a long drive home after the gig. Nowadays, if bands are overrunning, I'll talk to the promoter and be assertive about getting things back a little more on time. The worst time was when the gig was organised by one of the bands and they took hours to soundcheck and then overran their set. We headlined an hour late at 11 o'clock to a small crowd who were tired and wanted to go home. It was a weeknight. We played a short set and got paid maybe £20. But with even the worst gigs, you can look at the people you're playing with and smile and rock out like it's a rehearsal. Dan from Standard Fair used to say to me before a gig, when I was feeling nervous, it won't be our worst, and he was always right. What would you say if I told you?
That was Happy Birthday by Emma Cooper and that's available as part of this month's Postmap Club package. Back to my chat now with John Monoganon. In part two, we managed to crowbar in our regular game show segment, This or That. Not all that successfully, I'll be honest, but it's in there. Uh, there's also some chat about Foundation of the Teacher Rock, which is a label that John set up with his friend, the artist Francis Patrick Brady. It's centred around work that they've been doing together at the InterArt Centre in Malmo. I thought I'd mention that just now and let you know that there'll be links to hear the music that John's talking about in the episode description of today's podcast. Okay, here we go. Um, yeah, farm life. I feel so removed from it, and if like uh, like we were talking earlier about feeling a part of egg and all that sort of stuff, there there is a definite sort of imposter syndrome, not just with mm. my life as a musician, but <laughs> with my life living on a farm, married to a farmer on egg, because <laughs> people constantly ask about that as well. So, do you help out in the farm? Well, I close <laughs> the gate after me when I'm going for a stroll. Though you'll be surprised at the number of people who don't do that. <laughs> I do my bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't help on the farm. God. So I think maybe this is a good time to introduce <laughs> the game show segment of the okay. of the chat. Uh, I've got a little <laughs> clip li- lined up. Here we go. Welcome to oh. <laughs> This, this, or cat. This is a specially adapted element of the show in which we ask, is it this, or is it, or cat? This, this, or cat. Is it this, or cat? Uh, My contestant today joins us from Sweden. It's John B. McKenna, a.k.a. Monogonon. Thanks for having me. Um... I'll be honest, I've not actually thought about this segment more than just lining up that clip of the intro. <laughs> <laughs> when you suggested that for this chat, we do a segment where I just give you a scenario where you have to choose between that or okay. having a cat. 
and we call it this or cat. Maybe specifically, you have to choose between a scenario or abandoning your cat. Oof. Oof. Would you leave your cat for any of the following options? What would it take? Ooh. Okay, your dream childhood Skelextric or your uh, cat? Cat. Definitely cat. That's oh, easy. Man. You love your cat. Your dream Skelextric. <laughs> okay. Don't know why that was the first thought that came to my mind. <laughs> Did you have a dream Skelectrix? I had like a Skelectrix where the car's lights would light up when it was on the track and it was Ooh. going around. I wasn't a big Skelectrix person, but I got Skelectrix as a surprise one Christmas. And I was like, wow. And it also, it, I got it the same year that I got a TV theme tunes cassette that had Knight Rider as the first song on the on side A of the cassette. And so I'd mm. just be playing Skelectrix in the dark with the car's lights going on, with the theme from Knight Rider going on in the background. Then I'd, then it would reach the end of the song and I'd rewind it and I'd do it again for a couple of hours. Do you know the theme from Knight Rider? I'm going to say no, but if I'm pretty I, sure I do. <laughs> I bet you'd recognise it because Buster yeah. Rhymes used it in that, that fired up tune. Let me get, get fired up, fired up, get fired up. I'll see if I can find it on here. Remember Buster Rhymes is from... Morecambe. Morecambe. <laughs> we played a gig in Morecambe, didn't we? When was that? It was about yeah. five years, four years ago, five years ago. And we were looking up That's... facts about Morecambe on the way there. And Buster Rhymes was sent over to Morecambe as a child yeah. to, because he was so badly behaved whilst living in the States. Is that right? We grew up in Morecambe. Maybe it was like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air sort of story. <laughs> you know that story, but instead of Bel Air, it was Morecambe. It was on Wikipedia, so we believed it to be true. And then when we asked the audience that night, nobody knew about it. And so it then struck me right. that, oh, maybe this is just a bit of Wikipedia that someone's just thrown in. Oh, no, because <laughs> I, I, I still believe it. I can't believe that he actually lived in Morecambe. Okay, no, here I have it oh, here on Google. Louderthanwar.com says, the young buster was sent to his aunts in Morecambe to stop him getting into trouble and spend some time in one of his favourite seaside resorts. Wow. I mean, the fact that that would even be one of his favourite seaside resorts, no offence, Morecambe, but come on. How many seaside resorts had he been to within the UK? Yeah. <laughs> had he been to, like, Scarborough? <laughs> Skegness? What? And Struther. <laughs> and Struther, yeah. Malek? Come on, Buster, <laughs> you're missing out. Actually, maybe not. Maybe Morecambe is better than all those. I was going to ask you about some music stuff. Mm -hmm. Francis Patrick Brady, who mm -hmm. you've done a few projects with now as Foundation of the Teacher Rock. Is that right? Yeah. Is that the collectively yeah. you're both known as that thing? Yeah. Who is Francis and how did that start? He's a visual artist. The sort of art that he does is to do with games, play, and workshops, pedagogy. We applied to this place in Malmo called InterArt Centre to do a project together making a fantasy psychologist. Oh, yes. There's so many things that kind of grew out of that where for the workshop I invited over, like, Hesitation, uh, Richard Greenan and Chris Caitlin. Yard. Kit, from Kit Records. Yeah, so 
invited them over to like kind of soundtrack the workshop in some way, like live soundtrack it. But we also did a few days just recording. So then a whole album's worth of material came out of those days of recording. And then during that time, I got kind of like obsessed with the modular synths at InterArt Centre and started working on this Under Medvetenhetten album. So three projects just... came out of that thing, which was yeah. the, the fantasy philosopher, no, psychologist. Yeah. Leif. Leif J.F. Kaliscott. Yes. And we went so into it, you know, because we're kind of role-playing and trying to build up world-build worlds. I I was even dreaming about this character. Mm. And I dreamt that he worked at a place called Foundation of the Teacher Rock. (laughs) And so I just told Francis, and they were like, all right, well, let's just make that happen, whatever that is. Like, (laughs) let's try and bring it, this fantasy, into reality in some way. So... Any project that's to do with play and world building and role play, somehow that all the stories that we create could kind of weave in into each story, you know. It's really cool, man. And I, f- like, I like how it sort of gave birth to other projects that wasn't necessarily premeditated. It was something like JF Scott project. You invited Rich and Chris over to take part in the workshop recording for that. Yeah. Is that right then? And then, then from mm-hmm. there, you created a new record together as Hesitation. Yeah, with us all jamming. I'm, I'm kind of into this sort of like anarchy of like, just get everybody in and let's all do something and just worry about the results later. And it feel, I mean, I really want to do it again now. I kind of want to been speaking to Andrew a little bit about maybe booking some time and trying to do some sort of collaborative thing Andrew from Monogamy. Yeah, because mm. it's an amazing space as well, like all the studios they have. And it's an unbelievable space if you were to have it in Glasgow. I guess somewhere like Green Door is a little bit like that. Oh, yeah. But this place is like connected to Lund University as a sort of meeting place for interdisciplinary art. So musicians meeting visual artists. It seems like you've had quite free reign to do a lot of stuff there then. Is is it underused? No, it's like used by like the music school, the art school and the theatre school. The thing is, is that we just we just book it at night mostly (laughs) when everybody else is sleeping (laughs) or like just on the weekends and just go in and do some stuff. It's great. I mean, it really changed the way I kind of thought about the limits of what I can do or even my role in a lot of things. Like, I'm not just limited to creating songs in a way. I could do anything. Because it's been a really productive year and a half, right? All those projects really came out in the past year even. They're all very different from one another. And yet I've come from that exploratory thing of just trying Mm. to experiment and play. And the, the amazing thing is, I think it's the games aspect that come with it. Like the Hesitation album came with a board game, mm. which is like I've never played anything like it before, but logically it somehow is a really enjoyable game. It's uh, Francis's art practice. You know, I, immediately as I get into saying stuff like art practice and <laughs> so that sort of stuff, I, I get the Brian Butterfield feeling <laughs> inside that I want... <laughs> I want to give over to somebody else to just talk about it. You but explain it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I 
we did a performance recently and then we're kind of now we're working on a radio show for a local radio station in Malmo and we DJed recently so it's like we're kind of going a little bit different way but I'm sure it'll kind of come back or take different forms or whatever you know I think I've seen photographs of you recently when maybe it was on the DJ thing, the DJ night, you were sharing a few photographs. So you've got like quite specific hats that you're wearing. Yeah, that's Francis. He's like a a tailor or he was a tailor. He makes suits and makes these really amazing costumes. And he'd made these hats that had headphones built into them. (laughs) So they're quite tall hats. They kind of look like like (laughs) sort of military chefs. Because they had that sort of military grey colour to them, but they had the sort of the height of a cordon yeah. bleu chef. One of them is a really high hat. The higher they get, the better. <laughs> be great if you could take it off when you had an incredible sort of Marge Simpson esque hairstyle <laughs> underneath. That is a great idea, man. Like, please do it. Start the bouffant sure now. I'll make Francis listen to this, and then <laughs> it's a good idea. Like. Big hair, it's coming back as well. I mean, post-lockdown, you know, people have had a lot of time to grow and fashion their hair, and uh, yeah. now they'll be buying products in order to give it volume and height. I know that I am. <laughs> height is back. Throughout lockdown, we have been getting flathead from being in bed, wearing headphones, and after lockdown, we're going for height, maximum height. What I wouldn't give for height in my hair now. The height is going, the length is going out of control. It's growing long round the, down the back. But mm. it's not going upwards. I want it to go up mm. to the back home, I think. Beard as well, right? A bit of beard chat here for you. I've not shaved my beard since I did a turn as Mulligan and O'Hare at a charity event at the end of 2019, where I shaved off half my beard. <laughs> and so I could be Mulligan on one side and then turn my face and I would be O'Hare on the other side. These are Vic and Bob comedy characters, folk singers. <laughs> <laughs> one of which has a beard and one doesn't and uh so i shaved off half my beard for that and then i shaved off the whole thing the next day so this is like a year and a bit length now but it's not really growing it's now sort of just growing back in on itself it's got like a little upturned little shoehorn kind of thing going on it's not it's not growing like it did before like before it would have puffed out but it's somehow it's going grown in the way Sort of, it feels like that. It feels like it's sort of, it's definitely not getting longer and going down gravitationally. It's not mm. going towards my feet. It's sort of staying at the same sort of level just above yeah. my Adam's apple and now yeah. sort of curling itself like a little pastry, like a sort of a little Danish. It sounds like a fisherman's beard. Maybe it's because you've spent so much time on egg. You're getting a fisherman's beard. Yes, the brine. It's a sea air. It's a sea air. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I want the gravitational pull down. I want it to be long. I want a fucking ZZ top fucking beard. It just makes me look really fat. It just makes me look you fat. You got a comb then. You got a comb. I've got a comb, comb that shit. Did you grow your beard out I for do, a bit? But it, gets, it just gets itchy. But now I've settled on the moustache. Oh, yes. Um, I never thought I'd be a moustache person, but I've been really appreciating it recently. And my hair's grown out as well. It's it's mad because I feel like I'm living my best life. But... You know, you say you didn't see it coming. It was an inevitability as far as I was concerned. <laughs> You'd move to Sweden. You're going to grow your hair yep. all floppy and get a moustache. Slick mustache. back. Yep. You're going to accentuate that moustache with a little bit of schnoz under the top <laughs> lip to make it look more Charles Bronson. I tried one year, I did try and do uh, Craig David, but uh, with long (laughs) beard hair. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a sort of Amish Craig David. Did you actually do that? 
I mean, I mean, it lasted for all of the thirty seconds or however long it took to get the the tears out of my eyes. <laughs> but yeah, I did do it. Yeah, I sort of shaved, shaved up the cheeks and had like the little line that goes around the chin, yeah. like the chin strap. Yeah, I mean, it was. I'll be honest, it wasn't incredibly neat, but it was incredibly <laughs> weird. <laughs> Alright, that brings us to the end of today's episode. If you've enjoyed the music that you've heard today, you can support what we're doing by signing up to Postmap Club. Membership starts at just £3 a month. Go to lostmap.com forward slash club. If cash is a bit tight at the moment, you could just do us a favour by sharing this podcast. That'd be nice. We'll leave you now with the full version of UFO by Monogonon. Thanks to Joe Cormack for his editing and production work. Cheers to Creative Scotland for their support. And we'll see you again next month on the 1st of June. I've been Pictus Trail. Cheers for listening. <laughs>